Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. I was wondering before we started this uh, episode, why are we doing these podcasts? <laughs> no, really, it plays into the topic for today, the importance of why and your reason for your reason for getting out of bed. I'm having a hard time speaking already, and I've been up for quite some time. Your reason for getting out of bed can change a life. And so Dr. Rota, once again, is graciously here uh, discussing this. And so Dr. Rota. Yeah, so one of my all-time favorite books, Professor Marty, is Simon Sinek's Start With Why. It's one of those that I've read and reread several times, and every time I pick up new things from it. So the basic premise of this book is when we understand why we are doing something, we will figure out how to do it. A saying I really appreciate is, when why has heart, how has legs. Just think through that once. When why has heart, how has legs. So a key to motivation, a key to accomplishing the things we want, is understanding why we want them. Sinek also gets deep into relationships, and and that is what triggers the why for most people. Most of us, if we dig deep to really explore this, we're motivated by love or fear. Those are the two main levers for moving men. And that usually has something to do with people, right? So I'm rereading this book and continuing to ponder my personal why. Now, just to make this real, I'm going to share a little bit of, I hope this isn't sharing too much information, but just full disclosure, My personal why, why I get out of bed in the morning with energy and excitement for the day is twofold. Number one, to celebrate Jesus. I believe in the Great Commission. I want my life to be a celebration of what Jesus has done for me and for every single person that I'm going to bump into today. I want to love God. I want to love the people he puts around me. And I want to love the life that he's given me. So that's the first part of my personal mission. My second part is my sense of purpose. My personal sense of purpose is to ignite purpose. Let me explain. Ephesians 2.10 is one of my favorite passages. And the first part of Ephesians 2 is talking about how we're saved by grace through faith. It's a free gift. Nothing we have to do. Now, because of that, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, some versions say handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I believe with all of my heart that every single one of us has a divine purpose, that God has gifted us, And he wants to partner with us using the gifts he's given us to impact the world. In the original Greek, the word for workmanship or handiword is the word poema. And it's where our English word poetry comes from. Another way I like to think about this is we are all God's poetry. And if you don't think that Dr. Rhoda is truly committed to what she just said, (laughs) you just have to walk past her car and read her license plate. And there, right on the license plate is poema. Yeah, my hope is that, you know, somebody's going to pass it and say, what does that mean? And they need this message. They'll look it up and they'll see that they are God's handiwork. Um, And so, and just have that reminder. My twofold mission is to celebrate Jesus and ignite ignite purpose. I don't want people just going through life, going through the motions. Uh, You know, it's just that, that my heart aches when I see people doing that. So one of the ways that I've chosen to ignite purpose is to focus on the topic of thriving. A significant component of thriving is having a sense of purpose. So I work in the world of education. I'm a dean at a college. I teach in education. I'm an educational psychologist. So how do I use my gifts, my energy, my passion to help parents and educators thrive? And then if parents and educators are thriving, they're also going to help the next generation. And we can all be living more within our purpose that way. 
And I, I think what's what's so interesting about that comment, and we were just chatting about this before the episode, so many people in this world are, are so concerned about what they're doing at that time. If you reflect on what was just said, life is so much bigger than that. It's a reflection on your actions, your purpose, um, and the intent is certainly not just for yourself, but to reach so many others. Yeah. So the best way to spend our lives is to do something that outlasts it, right? And so we're going to be gone someday. What do we leave in the world with those people that we interact with? So yeah, excellent point. And I truly believe that all human beings are connected. It's just, I believe it's a part of God's design. If you've taken the strengths finder tool, my number one strength is connectedness. I really... I would have never guessed that. <laughs> I really Sarcasm. believe... Sarcasm. Yeah. I really believe that we all need each other. And when one of us isn't showing up in our full capacity, it impacts the rest of us. So how do I help people show up and bring their divine purpose to the world? That's why I do what I do, whether I'm doing my work at the college or creating this podcast or speaking at a conference or leading a workshop or writing a blog or a book or, or having a conversation with a dear friend. That is my why. So why are we talking about all this? Let's move over into real life application and actionable, actionable items for how this works. So I was reading this weekend and learned that 80% of the people that are incarcerated in prison have not graduated from high school. Eight out of 10 people in prison don't have a high school diploma. That is just mind blowing to me. I mean, we know from looking at the brains of people incarcerated, they have poorly developed prefrontal cortex. We know another thing that they, they don't have a lot of mirror neurons, those neurons that help you feel compassion for other people. But the thing that really that common denominator amongst all of it is school is a place where we can learn those things. And they're leaving school early and they're not developing those things. So it just really, boy, you know, when I think about our podcast, equipping parents and young and teachers, educators to help young people thrive, we've got some work to do. And so we can look at all kinds of different careers and, and trajectories in life. But at the end of the day, if we don't address this issue with educating our youth well, uh, our society is paying a terrible price. I mean, I, I, this may be uh, pretty abrasive, but there really is no excuse for that. Right. We have the resources to do it. That's I, I really believe that it's easy to sit back and say, somebody should fix this. This isn't good. But I also believe that every single one of us makes a difference because we're all connected. So how do we bring our gifts to this situation? How do we bring our passion, our love for people? As educators and as parents, I agree with you, Professor Marty, this is just not acceptable. We can't have this many of our young people go into prison and so many of them that are going to prison aren't, are failing out of our school system or dropping out of our school system. So one element that goes into dropping out of school and it increases the likelihood of incarceration is poor impulse control. Impulse control happens in that prefrontal cortex, that area behind your forehead. We talk about it all the time on this podcast. And so mom and dad, teachers, if you're saying, boy, society should fix this, let's just stop for a moment. What Internal locus of control, right? We want to teach our students, an not external locus, that somebody else is responsible, somebody else should fix it, somebody else did something wrong. I can't control anybody else. Internal locus of control says all I have control over is me. So what can I do in this situation? So moms, dads, teachers, when you make the effort of letting kids make kid-sized mistakes, and then they learn from those mistakes, when we don't save them, when we don't work harder at solving their problems than they do, they learn the natural consequences of their actions. 
When you help them think through different scenarios, choices, and options that they have in their life, and you help them explore, here's two different options. What happens if you take this one? What happens if you take the other one? And now they get to make an informed decision based on having thought through the consequences. You walking with them through that process is helping them develop their prefrontal cortex. It seems so simple, but it's so imperative. When they have to do things that they don't necessarily like, they have to go to practice on a rainy day when they'd rather sit home. Uh, they'd rather go to uh, their friend's birthday party instead of the game that they've committed to. Uh, they're learning the value of giving their word and showing up with integrity, impulse control. When you have them clean their room before they play a video game, again, they're learning impulse control to do what needs to be done instead of always doing exactly what I want to do when I want to do it. So you are helping them develop the tools they need to be successful in school and to go on to live a life that contributes. But all of this happens within relationship that we're always talking about. And, and those relationships, uh, they're not always easy. Exactly. I mean, for students, children, youth, to get to that point, to learn those lessons, it's not fun being a parent right. walking through that. It's not fun being a teacher walking through that. But we certainly have the wisdom to know if we don't do that with our youth, we're not setting them up to be successful. Yeah, every kid is so valuable, and we can't lose one. We can't keep just writing a bunch of people off. Uh, I've known many people who have been incarcerated. I've had multiple family members be incarcerated. And what I find, sure, there is sin, and we all make sins, and we, ha or we all have sins. But there's, there's laws in our society. There are people that break the law. There needs to be penalties. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I do have some questions sometimes about some of the equity within our justicism, but that's a whole other thing. But oftentimes, you know, we like to think of people in prison as just being horrible, horrific people and just lock them up and lock them away. There's a lot of awful lot of people um, in prisons that just that's not necessarily the case. They made a stupid choice. They did something wrong. And there's a huge consequence. I think the overall um, word here that, that we're talking about is value. Yeah. You know, how we value people and really uh, looking at God's design and God's directive, uh, that value of people uh, applies to all. Yeah. The thief on the cross, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he didn't, hadn't done anything right. Jesus loved him. Jesus gave him assurances. Jesus built relation and cared for him. So if we can too remember that that person sitting behind bars, that kid who dropped out of school and is in prison now, it's someone's son or daughter. It's someone's mom or dad or brother, sister, husband, wife, aunt, uncle, someone's childhood friend. These are real people, right? And so how do we have compassion? They're often intelligent. In fact, many of them, uh, I've done a lot of work with at-risk kids, many of them are a bit too smart for their own good. Um, it's more exciting to see what they can get away with than to sit in school and be bored. If we are at the high school level and all we're doing is simple recall, we are losing the really bright kids. We've got to get them into critical thinking. Uh, exploration of their minds and how the world works. What I see repeatedly as a common denominator is poor impulse control. They oftentimes act before they think, they react instead of being proactive, and they oftentimes don't have good communication skills and an ability to control their emotions and communicate effectively. These are all teachable, learnable skills. Society, we're letting a large segment of our young people down schools and educators we need to fight for each and every kid even the one who constantly gives us grief especially that kid we need to spend the time and energy to get to know them really get to know them what do they want what motivates them what are they good at start being interested in them build a relationship with them authentically and then you can begin helping them raise their expectations you know i've recently learned a pretty important lesson i believe that when people don't feel loved or cared for 
they tend to set their expectations low. When we feel loved and worthy and capable, we begin to want better for ourselves. It's kind of a cycle. And it's a difficult cycle for people to do all by themselves. They usually need somebody in their life on this aspect of their journey to walk with them and help them see that they have value, they have worth. And so these kids that feel like they have no value and worth, they need somebody to help them see that they do. There's an old adage in psychology, hurt people, hurt people. When you're hurting, you oftentimes hurt others. So again, we are connected. It's how God designed us. We need each other. Research supports that for kids that don't have much going on in their favor, they've had a tough upbringing, they don't have a lot going on for them, uh, one caring, appropriate adult can make all the difference in their life. And so I'd like you to just reflect on that. One individual can make a profound difference. And so if you're a parent, maybe you're that individual. If you're the teacher, maybe you're that individual. Um, these, These... Connections that we make in life, we many times don't realize how incredibly important they are. Yeah, so true. They, they seem, they don't seem like a big deal to us, but to somebody else, they're everything. So look around you, moms, dads, teachers. Who is a young person in your life that is on a negative trajectory? That is, if they keep going in the direction they're headed, it's not going to end positively. This person may be in your family. They may be in your classroom. They may live in your neighborhood. They may be a friend of your child's. Find one, just find one. Don't have to find a dozen, just find one kid. Work to build a trusting, authentic relationship with that child and then help them learn these important skills. And this podcast is aimed at giving you the tools to do this. So instead of incarcerating young people, it costs on average, what, about $70,000 a year to incarcerate somebody? My goodness, let's help them learn how they've been gifted, how they can use their wisdom, their skills and interests to better the world. Let's do all we can to keep them in school. It's so much cheaper to educate them than to incarcerate them. And not just like financially, it's better, for, cheaper for society. The, the, the cost everybody has to pay. So let's help our young people discover their why. How have they been gifted? How can they partner with God to serve humanity? We're his workmanship. We're his poetry, his poema, every single one of us. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are today's five takeaways from our episode on why. Uh, That's the first one. Number one, ponder, reflect on why, and then certainly model this to those individuals around you. Number two, we learned an awful lot about the prefrontal cortex. Um, Make sure that we guide our youth, we provide them with choice, all with the goal of helping them develop their prefrontal cortex. Number three, Uh, Along those lines, also work with your child or your student on impulse control. And again, modeling is a powerful way to do that. Uh, Talking through it is a powerful way to do that. Number four, uh, we often overlook this. We need to appropriately challenge our youth. Don't bore so they snore, but appropriately challenge them. And and number five, I mean, you heard heard this underlying theme throughout the episode, uh, poema. How important it is that we value the poetry that the Lord has provided all around us. Five to Thrive is going to start something new. We have over 100 episodes now. We've been going for well over a year, and we're going to start having seasons. So we're going to take a little bit of time off here and prepare for our next season of podcasts. But in the meantime, please stay tuned because we're going to repost and reshare 
the most popular episodes, the ones who have had the most listeners so far. And so you can like hear our best of series. And then we'll be back shortly with brand new fresh material for you. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.